It's so good to be back with you all. And it's nice to see faces that we see every morning at, uh, at 7 o'clock for our daily meditation. So everybody, please, please sit comfortably. However you are, just relax in your seat. At our daily on my, uh, online meditation this morning, um, John asked me to suggest a title or a theme for this talk. And I said, COVID-19 as metaphor. So come back. Awaken your illumined mind. Feel yourself in your body. Know that you are breathing in and out. Close your eyes if you like. Open them when you like or not. And just listen to my words and let them fall on you like the gentle rain, the gentle intermittent rain <laughs> that we thoroughly enjoyed here in Palm Springs last week. Rare for us to have rain. When I, when I lived in the Pacific Northwest for 20 years, the almost daily um, gentle on and off again rain became an ever-present mindfulness bell. Standing in the rain, walking in the rain, driving in it, letting it rain down on me, just allowing it. Let it soak into my hair and my skin. Let it moisten me up. Allowing it to awaken me in to this to this very moment and this one. Metaphor is defined as a, a word or phrase that is applied to an object or an action to which it is not literally applicable. So when we say something is metaphor for something else, we're saying this is like that or this, this points to that. I experience a gentle rain as a metaphor for this silent illumination that we've been practicing together tonight. And just, just as AMC practice period has focused on Thich Nhat Hanh's book, uh, Being Peace, A winter practice period at Two Palms Up Sangha in Palm Springs has been awareness of climate change, awareness of, uh, awareness of extinction and extinctions, denial of the science and denial in general. And then what's the impact of all this on us personally and collectively? What is the impact on our psyche soma, the linkage that is our mind-body connection and experience? And since we all started sequestering five or six weeks back, I've noticed myself saying regularly that I, I'm a glasses half full kind of guy. So it's not out of the ordinary for me to be looking for and finding silver linings in our current situation. 
And if you all are like our Sangha here, two palms up, and I have no doubt that you are, then some of you, or all of you, have been finding glasses half full, silver lining experiences with your loved ones, with your family members, your family units, wherever you're sheltering in place. Maybe that's true for you. So just take a moment right now, close your eyes, tilt your head back just a little and awaken that illumined mind and reflect for a moment on any pleasant outcomes you've experienced because of the virus. You can ask the question, what has COVID done for me today or this week or so far? Just, just find one thing. If you haven't thought of a thing, one thing could be that you're spending more time with your family or that you're, you're spending more time alone. And that's a good thing for you. Whatever your thing is, see if you can now bring that thing to mind again and nurture gratitude for it. Smile to it. Let your heart fill and just beam, beam gratitude out. Not for COVID, but for the situation it, it begets. You know, that's what, what Thai, what Thich Nhat Hanh is always talking about when he reminds us that we have all the conditions we need to be happy in this moment. Even as, as rough as this experience is on so many of us, we can still find things in which to find joy, relationship, I originally came to this practice back in 1990 after I'd spent a year studying the world's religions. Then by the beginning of 1991, after reading a couple of books on Japanese Zen, I began teaching myself Zazen. Zazen is the Japanese word for sitting meditation, if you don't know it. I was sitting every day first for five minutes and 10 minutes and 20. My first meditation practice was counting my breaths in and out, starting at one, counting to 10, starting again. And at that same time, I learned Kinhin, K-I-N-H-I-N. That's the Japanese term for taking our practice off the cushion or the chair and onto our legs and, and feet, being completely present and breathing in and out with each slow and deliberate step. I practiced this way, Zazen and Kinhin, on my own for five years. I look back now and I see 
that during that five years, I was learning the practice of concentration. Then on my first meditation retreat back in 1996, I was introduced to this Vietnamese Buddhist teacher named Thich Nhat Hanh. And he taught me a wide range of what he called mindfulness practices, specifically designed to awaken my awareness of the present moment, which he said over and over again was a wonderful moment. He taught again and again that the present moment is the only moment. It's the only moment we have. We, we don't have the past. The past is already gone. We don't have the future because the future's not yet come. We only have this moment. And we can either be present for it or we can be swept away by it. And which, whichever is true for us personally is simply a matter of our own choosing. Our practice, our, our practice, this practice that we do together is the only way that I know of to transcend the mental tyranny of pursuing the past, being lost in the future, being swept away and overwhelmed by the present. Coming back to taking refuge in the anchor of our breathing, the anchor of a mantra, the anchor of counting our breaths, or just listening, or simply sitting in open awareness just like this. If we're in the present moment, we can't be lost, pursuing or swept away. I'll always be grateful to Thich Nhat Hanh for the way he made this practice come alive for me. And I'm especially thinking about walking meditation right now. Back in 2004, 900 monks, nuns, and lay men and lay women all gathered together for a three-month winter rains retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh at Deer Park Monastery in San Diego. And it was a rains retreat. It rained a lot of the time. But one Saturday afternoon, Ty gave a public talk up at UC Irvine. So almost all 900 of us piled into nine huge school buses and rode together up to Orange County. And we all arrived before Ty did. And then they dropped Ty off outside at the far back corner of the, this huge auditorium outside. So he had to walk the length of this huge green lawn, nearly the length of a football field, to get to the door of the hall. And we were all standing outside along the side of the building with this beautiful green lawn between us and Ty. And Ty didn't cut across the lawn he stayed on the sidewalk and he did walking meditation, slow 
walking meditation the whole way around that lawn, completely unhurried, just one step at a time, <laughs> smiling sweetly the whole way. And it took him 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes to walk that sidewalk path to the auditorium. It's a moment I'll never forget. It was the most sublime demonstration and presentation of walking meditation I'd ever ex experienced, I'd ever witnessed. And you know, it wasn't until years later in contemplating that moment that I realized Ty could have been dropped off right at the front door of that auditorium. <laughs> that he, he got dropped off a football field away so that he could show us what he'd been telling us. For Thai, walking meditation is so much more than simply taking slow, methodical steps. It's so much more than um, be, being aware uh, while you're getting from here to there. Thich Nhat Hanh teaches a walking meditation that's about being fully and completely present for what is in each and every step, alive in my body with no destination, aside from the destination to be here and now in each step. In each and every step we've, we've already arrived, we're already home. Ty would tell us, with each step, say to yourself, I've arrived, I'm home, in the here and in the now. He'd tell us that with each breath in or out on the cushion, that we had arrived, we were home. There was nowhere else to go, nowhere else to be. We take refuge in our true home. This present moment, right where we are, wherever we are. And isn't that just another way of saying shelter in place? Finally, another metaphor. <laughs> What a remarkable situation we find ourselves in the midst of COVID-19. You know, our, our federal, state, and local governments, our, our scientists, our healthcare professionals, the World Health Organization, uh, the experience of other countries ahead of us in the pandemic. Everybody but one person is telling us that in order to save ourselves, we all need to go inside to locate so safe harbor, to seclude ourselves, to shelter in place, to take refuge in our homes. And, and I just think what an interesting and, and rather perfect metaphor our whole current situation is to the guidance of our, our teachers of Zen and, and Buddhism and Taoism and, and so many other spiritual traditions.
They've been telling us down through the generations that peace, love, salvation, happiness, joy, fulfillment, freedom and and liberation, surrender. These are not found somewhere out there. We discover them and touch them only deeply within ourselves in our true home, when we're sheltering in place. You know, I mentioned that our Sangha took up the subject of climate change, extinction, denial of science, denial in general. And why do you do that? Because our, our situation on our planet is a confounding cradle of distress, despair, bewilderment, and confusion. That, that's what our Sangha members were feeling and that's why we took up this subject. Maybe that's true for you too. Now human beings are, are quite, quite literally choking the planet. We've destroyed the Northern timberlands to build our homes in our stores and our office buildings. We don't even think of timberlands as trees. They're just timber for our use. We don't consider them a, a community of trees. They're just a commodity. We're choking the oceans with plastic and our lakes and waterways with chemical waste. We're destroying our rainforests uh, at a relentless rate, literally night and day. And these timberlands, the oceans, the waterways, the rainforests, they're literally the lungs of this planet. And we are suffocating them, seemingly willfully aware and, and even complacently smug that, that we are simultaneously suffocating ourselves. You know, the, the earth has blessed us with all these amazing resources. At times in the past, the planet's been shore to shore with trees and vegetation across vast continents of land. Where once there was vegetation and life millions of years ago, We've been gifted with giant oil fields and petroleum, coal, natural gas. And how sad that future generations will look back. Hopefully they'll look back. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be able to look back and they'll wonder about us with all those amazing resources. The only thing that th they could think to do with all of that is burn it. And we're, we're producing more carbon than the earth can breathe. But as I said, I'm a silver lining kind of guy. So personally, I see COVID-19 as a harbinger, an omen. 
almost a generous gift disguised as a boogeyman. Doesn't mean I don't see all the horrible things about it, but I choose to see COVID as a severe mercy. Sit with those words for just a moment. COVID is a severe mercy. It's severe in that COVID is is so drastic and ruthless and so many will die and so many families will be brokenhearted with the losses they have and and some will be bankrupted and, and ruined financially or at least have a very difficult time. But COVID is also a mercy. As I look deeply, I see that COVID is nature itself demonstrating in our human bodies what we ourselves are doing to the earth's body. How curious that nature's latest attempt to get our attention is a disease that suffocates us. All alone and one by one. Just as we're doing with the planet that we depend upon for air and water and sustenance. What a harsh metaphor. What a severe mercy. <sighs> so sit up straight. Take in a full and deep breath right now. And another, and another completely aware of the gift that a full, deep breath of clean, nourishing air is. A full, deep breath is a privilege and a gift. Feel the freedom and the life. It is in one breath of air. You know the panic you would feel if you were suddenly deprived of it. So how timely that tomorrow is Earth Day. In fact, it's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, if you didn't know. People championing and celebrating Earth Day led to the passage of law, uh, so, uh, many landmark environmental laws in the US, in, including the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, Endangered Species Act. All that's great and wonderful all our practice and intention and aspiration, all, all of that is wonderful. And there's, and there's something more, something beyond all that and beyond words. So metaphorically right now, touch the earth with your awareness. Metaphorically, touch the earth with your awareness. Shelter in place. Come home. You have arrived. You are home. In the here and in the now. So be home. 
take refuge in your practice, whether it's following your breath, repeating a mantra, loving kindness, meditation, nurturing gratitude, just, just sitting in open awareness. Breathe freely. Remembering the earth itself also wishes to have healthy lungs and to breathe freely. Thank you for listening.